0: Please take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4. And when you get there, verse 1, we read a very important verse, which we've looked at to a degree, but we'll be looking at other verses beyond verses 1 and 2 today. We really camped out in verse 1 a little bit. But the Spirit, speaking of the Holy Spirit, explicitly... Or clearly says that in later times or the latter times, the King James Version, some will what? Fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. It's interesting. When you go into false doctrine, uh it's usually not in a vacuum. If you're not being led in the Lord and and, and seeking the Lord by His Spirit, His Word, and everybody could be off in areas, but we need to say, what does God's Word say? We need to be open to God's Word and say, Lord, help me trust you with whatever you say. But we are seeing that it's not just a vacuum. There are evil spirits that are perpetuating false doctrines. And I had a study last, I think it was last Wednesday, where I showed you how Satan works and how major false doctrines and some false doctrines that are more serious than others are all serious though i have demonic entities behind them we looked at first Timothy or second thessalonians 2 talking about the time of the rapture and actually warns about don't be deceived by a spirit regarding the time of the rapture that's pretty interesting galatians chapter 1 warns about false gospels and how uh satan you know that even if the angel from heaven comes and teaches you a false gospel don't believe it right and false apostles who transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. And no wonder, he says, for Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light. That's in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. False apostles, he warns about. Boy, do we ever have a lot of false apostles today, you know? And it's interesting, if you've been in this fellowship any time long, one of the things I was going to get into is seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, which I'm not going to today because I'm going to do a whole study on that. Uh, was why, you know, why does Blessed Hope not listen, or why don't we play elevation music, which a lot of it's published by Bethel, or Bethel music, or Jesus' culture music, or Hillsong music. You know, if it ever comes up, it's an accident, because we don't on purpose. And some of you that are in the Word, and you're in what's going on, uh, you understand there's a lot of Christian churches that, that don't put it in their churches for a reason. And I'm not saying you're going to hell if you listen to, you know, you uh, know, uh, Bethel music or what have you, or and, and I'm not sharing my, our personal convictions and leadership in this fellowship as commandments for you, but what I am sharing is that you ought to look into it and ought to know why. Uh, but you have to keep in mind that uh, the Bethel music, and by the way, that music permeates most of evangelical Christianity today. Uh, no, no kidding. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Uh, But uh, the purveyors, where those churches of movies, the music comes out of, I mean, they teach all kinds of strange things. Bill Johnson at Bethel teaches that Jesus became a man, and at one point he said he even ceased to be deity, ceased to be divine, left his divinity behind. You know, and they have, you know, how psychics use tarot cards. They have like Christian tarot cards. They call them Uno cards. You know, and they go to psychic fairs and they read them to people and. Um, they do grave sucking. Well, they'll go to a grave and they'll lay on the grave trying to suck the power out of some past supposed saint, you know, and and get get the power and so forth. And they teach a lot of New Age stuff they brought in the church. And they teach dominionism, like many of these guys, like Bethel and Bill Johnson, that the church's mission is to take over the earth for Christ, you know. And that we're going to you know, take, over the, take over the world, I should say, for Christ. And they're the apostles, and all the churches should be following them. This gets way deeper than what I'm mentioning, but I was going to get into that because seducing spirits. Bill Johnson says that Bethel music, they, want, they import their doctrines within the music. And he says what they do, what, the, the goal of their music, listen to this, it's important. They bypass the intellectual barriers that you have through their music. That sounds like brainwashing to me. I mean, come on. What if I, you heard in the elders meeting, we had a secret elders meeting, we said, we need to play music that bypasses the intellectual barriers of our brothers and sisters in Christ who would reject certain doctrines, you know, because they see that they're wrong, but we want to accept accept them, so we'll get them all this, we'll manipulate them emotionally in the music, get them swaying and be all excited, because guess what? (laughs) If if I brought Bill Johnson up here and let him preach in the pulpit, you'd spot a lot of those doctrines. But what happens when these doctrines are purveyed through seductive music? For some reason, people just give it a pass. Oh, but it's a beautiful song. And we have to be very careful in the body of Christ. Right now, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of churches that are concerned about the very thing we've been doing for years now, trying to do for years. And so there's a reason there's so much beautiful music out there, but there's monopoly right now going on, you know? So, uh, anyways, I'm not doing that message. That was something I worked on a lot of the day to day, but I'll share that another time. But I wanted to just go to the text, and there's a lot of important things we need to learn here. Uh, be- because we read in verse 1, but the Spirit explicitly says at later times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. These things, these entities are trying to deceive you. By means of what? The hypocrisy of what? Liars. Seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Now, it's interesting. The way the Greek is constructed, it, it, it reveals that the, their consciences have been seared branded with a hot iron burned to where they don't work anymore and the branding was done by these evil spirits by satan in the demonic realm he's the one trying to sear their consciences to the point where they're not just these are not but who has a view here is not just misled teachers it's it's teachers that are purposely seeking to mislead there are a lot of genuine preachers out there and believers out there who are deceived in areas right And we need to be merciful and love them and seek to help them to understand. And we also need to be humble and say, hey, Lord, show me anywhere I may misunderstand Scripture as we journey together in Christ and seek to know Him better. Amen? And Father, we do pray in Your Son's name that You would open the eyes of our understanding. You speak to our hearts. But these men, it says, they've been branded in their consciences with a hot iron. What does that mean? What does it mean if their consciences have been branded With a hot iron. Well, they have the devil's brand. They're the devil's agents. But it's speaking specifically of what he's done to the faculty that God has given to each and every person, which is a conscience. Atheism has no real explanation for a conscience. Why should people be convicted of right and wrong if we're just oozed out of the ground sometime in the past? You know, makes no sense. But we're moral beings, and God's given us consciences. But you wonder how people in the name of God could have bad consciences, or I should say, branded dead consciences. But it's because people are into money and power. And you can look at some of these prosperity teachers, some of the most popular ones, like Peter, or, uh, Peter Popoff. He's a faith healer that was so popular for so long. And uh, he I think he went to prison I mean, he was wiring, people would come in, he'd say, so-and-so, God is telling me your name, and he'd say the name, he'd get the name right, and then he'd say where they were from and what their ailment was, and they would freak out in tears. I've seen it, when he was being busted, and they'd come running down the aisle, big old auditorium, huge venue, screaming, oh, how, it must be God, and they'd be crying. Then they'd find out that he was electronically being fed the information, by his wife who was in the foyer meeting people and writing down the information giving it to him. She also had a branded conscience. No conscience at all. He, I think he went to prison for a little bit. Oh, he got out, and now he's preaching again. Still preaching the word faith, prosperity, lie. Robert Tilton, they did a big thing on him years ago. He was one of the most popular evangelists years ago, and he actually had tear ducts, fake tear ducts put in his face, plastic surgery, and would touch his face and make himself cry, just weep, because he really didn't have any real tears of compassion and thankfulness to Jesus and love for the people. So a lot of these people, these people are out there. Now, there's a distinction we must make. Most pastors and believers who are off are not purposely off. So you want to be gentle with people. But you also want to keep in mind, Jude Jude 1-4 talks about those who have what? crept in unaware unnoticed there's certain people that creep in so it's important that we understand that as believers it's critical that we keep a good conscience it's critical in your relationship with your spouse if you're married if you're single like the like most radical Jesus was single right paul was single amen and he said it's actually better if you don't have the gift of uh, if you have the gift of singleness and they, they, you know, it's amazing when you look at their lives and whether you're single or you're married or whatever your, your life is, you need to keep a good conscience. If you're married, you need to have a good conscience, not only, first and foremost, before God, right? But with regard to your spouse, that you don't have these separate lives that you keep secrets and hide things from each other that you can feel bad about. And if you're going to be having a spouse, that's something to keep in mind, you know? When I do premarital counseling, I always emphasize, you know, that communication is huge. Communication is huge in that you always communicate. You, always, you don't say, hey, I don't want to sleep in the same bed anymore. We're sleeping in different rooms. We're not talking anymore and Bolt both the doors. You say, but Joe, now I, I, I talk to my wife. Everything's just, I snore really loud, so I'm in a different room. Well, that's a snoring thing. That's not a conscious thing then, so praise the Lord. Okay. But it's important that we keep good consciences, amen, uh, with our employer, with f- our friends. Because there's a, there, first of all, I want to glorify God, amen. But notice these guys have really bad consciences. But if, it's interesting because when you go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, I want you to go there, please. Look what, what Paul has already declared about himself or what the goal of his instruction is for the believer, We've already studied this, so I won't spend a long time there, but it's important. He says in verse 5, but the goal of our instruction is what? Three things he says. What's the goal of his instruction? Love from a what? A pure heart. Amen. I could not go to chapter 4, verse 2, and read about not branding your conscience and not look at the context of what Paul's saying in his letter. He starts off with saying, you know, in the first few verses, verse 5, the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart and a what? A good conscience and a what? A sincere faith. That's one of my life verses, by the way. It's a good verse to memorize. The goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart. Father, always help me have love from a heart that's pure before you. And help me have a good conscience. Help me always be right with you. And when I fall short, make sure my sins are confessed and that I'm right with the Lord. And a sincere faith. A sincere faith. A faith that is held in true sincerity. I can't imagine, I don't even want to ever get there, how a pastor could preach if he doesn't believe the word of God, you know? Or if he believes the word of God, he's not living for Jesus. And any Christian leaders that fit that bill, you're listening to me now, I encourage you, get on your knees before the Lord and ask him to forgive you and, and get you close to him and get right with him, amen? Because Paul says in 2 Timothy that the Lord uses vessels that are fit for his service, amen? He wants to use us, but we have to... We have to have a love from a pure heart. We have to care about His glory. Love Him, amen, first and foremost, with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And none of us are going to love Him perfectly, but that needs to be our endeavor. That needs, needs to be our aspiration, amen. We need to be seeking to love our neighbors as ourselves, and husbands, wives, that Christ loved the church, and, and wives just to love their husbands, and love their children, and so forth. We're all to love our enemies. And nobody's going to be perfect at that because only Jesus is perfect, but we're supposed to be coming more and more Christ-like, Amen. And we say that the three main things is to, right, is to know Christ, amen, to become more like Christ, and to make Christ known, amen. I mean, do you know Jesus? That's, you have to know Jesus. It's the eternal life that they might know, the only true God, Jesus Christ, whom without sin. You have to, if you want eternal life, you've got to know Jesus. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, amen. I love that, man. Saved by grace alone, through faith alone. In Christ alone but we need to have a love from a pure heart and it's critical and if you find yourself having anger and hatred toward people you say Lord take that from me because the interesting thing is these things all tie together I can't say I'm gonna have I'm not gonna have love from a pure heart but I'm gonna have a good conscience that's not gonna happen it's like I give Jeremy a hug and I think man hey Jeremy I hate this brother. Hey, brother, how are you doing? By the way, hypocrisy's on that list, too. By the way, I could pick you out, Jeremy, because you're such a lovable guy. So I wouldn't pick that brother. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I love all my brothers and sisters. And even if they're porcupines, I try to get around the quills and still love them, you know? But anyway, if I go, to go home and I'm hating on people and stuff, but at least I could have a good conscience. No! You, if you, you have to have love from a pure heart to have a good conscience, right? And when you have love from a pure heart and you have a good conscience, it also goes with a sincere faith, amen? Because if you don't have a sincere faith in you're phony, well, then you can't have a good conscience either. You know, I was looking at some studies years ago, years ago at Yale, where they found out little children, as much as a year or two old, they're able, as soon as they're able to read expressions, even months old even, they have consciences. And it was kind of elaborate kind of study they did. Puppets and different scenarios where the kids were reacting to injustices. Not even trained yet. We're born with consciences. Conscience means con, means with, shins, science, knowledge, with knowledge. And it says that God put his moral law in our hearts. Amen? But these men sear their consciences. And that's what Paul's concerned about. Even in 1 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 18. Look what he tells Timothy. This command I entrust to you, Timothy, my son, in accordance with the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you, f- you fight the good fight, keeping faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected and suffered what? shipwreck in regard to their faith. Woo! Don't tell me your faith can't become shipwrecked. Can a ship be wrecked if the ship doesn't exist? Yes or no? No. A faith can't be shipwrecked if the faith didn't really exist at one time, okay? That's why Paul says, that's a good verse, by the way, that goes with 1 Timothy 4.1, that some will depart from the faith. But he says to keep a good conscience. How do you keep a good conscience? When the Holy Spirit speaks to you, when God uses your conscience, and by the way, as born-again believers, praise God that our, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, can, can inform our conscience, because you see, your, your conscience can be your conscience is a nap, natural apparatus, so to speak, that God created to tell us His moral law, right? To a degree, but since we are fallen, we were created upright, but each man, it says, has sought out his own, you know, his own sins, basically, his own devices. We've fallen. And since we're fallen, we're in a state of depravity where we're like broken mirrors. We don't reflect God the way we ought to. Yet we're still created in His image. Amen? In James, it says not in chapter 3, it talks about how we need to be very careful about how we speak about our brethren and that we need to make sure that uh, we have our heart's in the right place and that we're not like two different, uh, uh, you, know, you know, poisonous water doesn't come out of the same spring that fresh water comes out of. Because they're created in God's image. Or it talks about how they're God's image bearers. We're all image bearers, even if we're fallen. We still, but non-believers, that image, that conscience doesn't work the way it ought. And as non-believers get older, they can harden their hearts toward God more and more. And that's how you get serial killers. That's how you get a Jeffrey Dahmer. That's how you get a Ted Bundy. That's how you get a Charles Manson. These are guys that seared their consciences sociopaths, psychopaths, they don't have any conscience at all. I've shown evidence before in other messages where these guys, purpo- I, where I show you where they said, Jeffrey Dahmer, he was enticing. he killed a dog, he felt horrible about it. He had a conscience. He actually started going to church after he killed the dog. But then he hardened his heart, and his conscience was seared more and more. Before you knew it, he's killing little boys, raping them, killing them. And... Uh, you know, I don't think his dad probably had a clue what was going to happen to him, right? And we have, all of us have, this is a scary thought, all of us have the capability to become horrific. We do. Without the grace of God. Cling to the grace of God to keep a good conscience. When the Holy Spirit convicts you, because the the neat thing as believers is he resurrects our consciences, brings clarity to them. He informs us in our consciences with pure water, his word. You see, what can happen as a non-believer is you can have a conscience, but it can be misinformed. You can be a little kid. You can be taught that if you see a black cat or you walk under a ladder or you step on a crack, you'll break your mother's back. And you might be feeling about, I can't believe it. I stepped on that crack. Well, you did on accident, Johnny. No, I was mad at mom. I stepped on it three times. I feel terrible, you know. And all of a sudden you have a bad conscience when, you know, Uh, Or you do something just incidentally, but you have wrong information. Well, the beautiful thing as believers, our consciences are cleaned through the water, through sprinkling with water and through the precious blood of Jesus. Amen. And they're informed according to God's truth. Amen. And the Holy Spirit helps us keep a clean slate before the Lord. For if we fall short of God's glory, if we confess our sins, He's faithful. What? And just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So we don't have to have a nagging conscience. Because something that may nag you right now that you did in the past (laughs) <laughs> it's kind of tricky because as, as believers, we have the accuser of the brethren too, right? And he wants to fill us with a conscience. He wants to make us feel condemned. That's why we have to stay focused on Christ. Walk with Jesus. If we walk in the light as he is the light. We have fellowship one with another. In the blood of Jesus Christ, his son cleanses us from all sin. Amen. In verse nine, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You need to continue to stay under the blood, amen, and have a good conscience. And it's really sad. I I was reading about a guy today, and I thought, poor guy, I actually prayed for this guy a couple times because I thought this guy's conscience has got to be bugging him. So I prayed, God, please, I'm hopefully other believers will pray for him. But you know what happened, the whole thing that's going on with Target right now? You know, it's just absolutely disgusting where a small percentage of people can monopolize the conglomerates and seek to, you know, herd people. Like goats, actually, through the broad road to destruction. So Target doing their deal, you know. I mean, it's just absolutely disgusting. Uh, you know, the same thing, Bud Light, you've seen with Mulvaney, who's into like, looking like a little boy for the other transsexual, homosexual, some with a propensity for pedophilia probably like that. He acts like a little boy, transsexual. It's disgusting as well. And then what's recently happened with the Dodgers and then having the sisters of perpetual indulgence. By the way, they're not sisters and they will not have perpetual indulgence because one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. And if they don't repent and get right, they'll be in outer darkness forever and ever. Pray for them. They've got, woo. they're in some of the biggest trouble because Jesus says if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, it's better that a large millstone be hung around your neck and you be thrown in the depths of the sea than the fate you're going to suffer so these guys are in huge trouble. I mean, Dodgers games have a lot of little kids. You have know, the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence there. And Clayton Kershaw came out, and he talked to the LA Times about it, how uh, he was wrong, you know. Their star pitcher for, what, almost 20 years now, that it's wrong, uh, that they're uh, mocking Christianity, you know. Uh, another pitcher had come out. Uh, and by the way, it's disgusting what they do. They literally their last show in April, last April. They were, you know, they get a, a a big cross, a guy that they depicts Jesus dressed like Jesus would be at the crucifixion. Then in high heels, another guy dressed like a nun dances around him in high heels, gyrating sexually. It's perversion. And by the way, you don't need a whole lot of evidence. You should know if you've been here anytime soon. I always give you evidence of the Christian faith, man. Do, could you imagine if they did that with some kind of symbol of Muhammad? They did that with, say, a, a Muslim flag. Do you think that would have lasted one minute? No, they wouldn't have done it, number one, because the Muslims would, have, would kill him probably. Number two, uh, the media would say, that's so sacrilegious toward Islam. Or if they did it basically at um, any religion, if they, if they mocked, if somebody else, if some Christian band came up and they did something mocking transsexuals at Dodger Stadium, do you think they would be accepted? Oh, well, last April they were mocking transsexuals, you know, uh, this Christian group, and they were, they were mocking them on stage, making fun of them and stuff. Do you think they would be invited to Dodger Stadium? Absolutely not, guys. But why can you mock Jesus Because that's who Satan, that's the spirit of Antichrist. I mean, when people hit themselves with something, they don't say, oh, Buddha, ouch, Muhammad. They say Jesus Christ. He becomes the cuss word, okay? Don't use his name in vain. That's the prince and the spirit and the power of the air. It's the spirit there. And it's at work, you know? And uh, it's interesting. A Dodger pitcher, though, Blake... uh, Trinan, am I saying his name right? He publicly denounced the team's decision to partner with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Uh, It's amazing. Now, the guy I prayed for a couple times is a a Toronto Blue Jays pitcher, Anthony Bass. He came out against what Target was doing publicly and played a video of another young gentleman quoting Ephesians 5.11 that have no partnership with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them, for it's a shame to even talk about what they've done. It's a shame to talk about it, but Paul says expose it, because it needs to be done. It's a bummer you have to talk about it, but you have to expose it, so people know what's going on. But you know what broke my heart? I read today, where this pitcher apologized, that he put a video out, speaking out against this. I made a post that was hurtful to the pride community, he said, I just spoke to my teammates. He said he shared with them my actions yesterday, and I'm not reading all of it, but I apologized with them. And as of right now, I'm using the Blue Jays resources to better educate myself to make better decisions moving forward. That just breaks my heart. Got pressure, who knows, you know. You want to pitch here, whatever it was. I don't know. Maybe it wasn't that. But Maybe he may, I don't even, I didn't see the video that he posted. Maybe there was something really negative in the video. But he could have couched his words like, you know what? I still think it was wrong to mock my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. At least, amen? At least say that. I don't know the whole story there. So I reserve, I leave that before the Lord. But I pray for him because you know what? I know if I did that, if you did that, if we reneged, let's say you're at work. And you're like, you know what, they're mocking Jesus, and they're having a big party, and you're invited, it's a Christmas party, but they're going to mock Jesus, he's going to come, they're going to have a Jesus stripper, right? And you're like, and it's going to be crude and lewd and everything else, They're going to simulate sex, and you're you're like, you know what, you say, guys, you tell your workers, and they're like, come on, come on, You you know, I'm a Christian, you know that, man, I can't go there, in fact, you know what, that's so wrong that you're mocking Jesus, I'm going to pray for you guys, because you're in huge trouble, Right? But then you talk to your boss, and then you come back. The next day thing you notice, know, everybody, I'm so sorry about hurting your feelings. You know, uh, you know, in, in this community of people that you know, because you guys are in all kinds of weird stuff, and I, you know, you would go home with a, if you got threatened to lose your job or whatever it was, with a bad conscience, because deep down you'd be like, I shouldn't have done that. I was wrong. So pray for Mr. Bass, and I don't even know the whole story. Because I'd be hurting right now. I'd be like, whoa, what is going on? Because there's professional, he's in the limelight, there's probably a ton of pressure, you know. I think the Blue Jays, isn't that Toronto? Pretty liberal over there, you know. So I can't imagine the pressure. But, but you know, let's make sure, make sure you pray for him and Kershaw and others because in the public media, there's not a whole lot of professing Christians, but a lot of them are found in sports. And there's pressure being put on them. I saw one of the leaders of, that gives a ton of money to these conglomerates, these, these huge corporations, and he's saying, we're about changing behavior. I've tried to tell you guys. I've told you for years. It's not about money. Everybody thinks, how could Bud Light do such a stupid thing and lose so much money? Billions of dollars. How could Target do such a dumb thing and lose billions, not millions, hundreds of millions, billions of dollars? How could they do it? They're so dumb. No. Well not saying they're not they're not bright actually spiritually anyway that's for sure but you guys i've said to you remember i told you some of you would remember this years ago why does hollywood the, the biggest selling movies the ones that make the most money often are the clean g rated movies cuz everybody will go to them if they're good but guess what they hardly make them there's always got to be some wrinkle some kink You know what, Webster's New York Times just came out with Little Mermaid. And they were upset. The New York Times said, they were upset. You know why? The New York Times writer said, because it wasn't kinky enough. What in the world? So they didn't put enough kink in Little Mermaid. Well, I would say, praise the Lord. There's not kink in Little Mermaid. In fact, in the old days, it would be like if there was kink. And by the way, Webster's, one of the definitions of kink is that which is something sexually unusual i.e. something different than regular heterosexual sex between a husband and wife, maybe, or whatever. And this New York Times writer was complaining because there wasn't kink in Little Mermaid. You guys, this is the world we live in. Should we not talk about the world we live in and just be like ostriches and stick our heads in the sand? By the way, ostriches don't really stick their heads in the sand, I don't think. I think that's just a (laughs) misnomer. No, we have to be aware of what's going on out there and know how to navigate through these spiritual landmines that, that threaten to destroy our children. Do you know what you let in your house affects your children? Do you know that? So just be wise. Do you notice I never tell you exactly what to do? This band you can't listen to. And this movie you can watch, but this one you can't. I just show you what's going on and you have to make the decisions. That's what good pastors do. They encourage you in the truth. Now, of course, if you're watching, Joe, you said you don't get specific. Well, if you're watching pornography, now come on. i want going to real specific. Hey, dude, you can't watch that, you know? But I want to encourage you guys to know what's going on. And, and people used to freak out if there was kink out of the things. Now, New York Times is upset that they're not putting kink in a Disney movie. Wow. And by the way, we were just in Orlando where Disney is huge because that's where the, the Christian, you know, the broadcasting conference was, where, where I was at. And we had a great time. I mean, I was like, I never got to even go check out all the other booths. I think I went down the aisle once, but I couldn't make the whole thing. Because I got interviewed so many times by so many people. I was like, wow, Lord, this is awesome. So our ministry is really growing. and Constantly, we we're doing interviews and talking to people. It was great. But I'll tell you what. Uh, you know what? Did you see what was just happening? You think Disney's like... Wow, you know what? We're losing a ton of money. We got we to gotta, we gotta reel back, man. We got all these shareholders that are ticked off because we've lost billions of dollars. How many people lost? How much money? But guess what they're doing? Did you see the, the what princess was it? Type people were coming. It was just yesterday. You can see it on YouTube later if you, or Google it. It was a, was a man with a mustache and a dress, and he's a princess Googling at the kids. Yeah, and I think that was Orlando. It's just you guys. We're at the place where the Bible says it would become like Sodom and Egypt. Okay? And like Jesus said, the days of Lot. And you have to guard your heart. You have to guard your family. You have to guard your kids. And I'll tell you what, you know who doesn't want me to talk like this? What's that, Diana? Who? Satan. Satan. He doesn't want me talking like this. He wants me to shut up about this stuff. And just read the Bible, but don't talk about what it means and what God wants to protect us from. And that's why we read here in 1 Timothy 4, it's warning about these seducing spirits and these doctrines of devils, doctrines of demons. You have to guard your own home. I say this because I love you. I say this because I've seen too many families destroyed. I've seen all kinds of kids that don't follow Jesus now, okay? It's hard enough when you teach them the truth and you love them. But man, if you just let all this stuff in, you just basically, it's one thing to give your kid a gun and let him play Russian roulette. It's another thing to give him a gun and have six bullets in the chamber and let him play Russian roulette. Give your kid a chance and protect them. Teach them the difference between right and wrong. Teach them the word of God. Amen. I love it when people, when parents bring their child up to me and say, hey, quote this verse, you know, or tell tell them this or that. It blesses my heart because it's like, Wow. I just love that because that shows me the parents care about their kids, and they're trying to teach them the truth so they know who Jesus is and how to to follow him. Amen? So it's important that we have good consciences, and we teach our kids to have good consciences. Because guess what? It's tough being a kid. I mean, I know when I was a kid, I had a 1,001 secrets. I mean, I hung out with my worldly friends, and we just partied and did everything else. Smoked my first joint when I was in fourth grade, you know? I already started destroying my brain in fourth grade, you know? And was, started drinking, doing all kinds of things. And guess what? My parents didn't know who I was, what I was doing. My parents were very sincere. They just didn't know Jesus. You guys know Jesus. You need to be in your children's lives. You need first and Some people say, well, I'm a parent. I'm not their friend. Well, guess what? God himself calls us Abraham's friend. And Jesus says, we're his friends. Amen? Abraham was a friend of God. First and foremost, be their parent but also be their friend. And friendship means you have an intimate relationship with them. And it's important to know them and love them and, and watch over their souls because the enemy's going to lie to them and say, hey, I offer you this. I offer you that. And bait you away from, bait them away from the truth. So you have to watch out for all these different things. But, but uh, there's a lot going on right now. And what I'm saying is this. Target. Disneyland. Bud Light. They're about power and influence more than money. A lot of those folks. Do you understand? That's why they'll continue to push these things, even though it's going to kill them financially, and it's not the wisest way to make money, because there is a spiritual agenda. Do you understand? And I think that is obvious once you see, they're not just these really dumb people that don't understand how to, you know, they're experts at bringing people in, but a lot of them have admitted. I, I saw one top guy saying, we have, to, we have to, I just saw this recently. You may have seen it. it. was in the news. He's one of these top, you know, top guys that's financially influencing these corporations. And he says, hey, it's about changing behavior. We have to keep changing their behavior. We have to keep changing their behavior. They want to make us Sodom and Gomorrah. But praise the Lord, he has a remnant. Amen. Praise the Lord, Jesus said, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevail against it. Amen. Praise the Lord. He's coming back for a spotless bride. Amen. Amen. Praise God for that. Now, you guys, we have to keep a good conscience. How do you do that? Make sure you're right with God. Make sure you ask for forgiveness of your sins. Part of the prayer the Lord gave us to pray was forgive us our sins as we forgive those who what? Sin against us. Amen. Amen. Well, how often should we pray that? Well, Jesus said, part of that prayer is give us this day our what bread? Our daily bread. That sounds like a daily kind of thing to me. You know, and, if, and, if, and unless you're really like almost perfect like an angel, you'll find yourself praying that more than once a day. Or at least, Father, forgive me, you know, thought comes to your heart or you don't like the way you said something or you want to grow in this way. I always feel like, man, I never feel like I've arrived I've met people who think they're perfect, they have a theology that they're perfect. I'm like, no, you're not. Because on your best day, Jesus said this He commanded us, love one another as I've what? Loved you. I don't think I've gone through any day and I've tried my hardest to live a godly life, you know. I don't think my best day I've come close to loving people exactly like Jesus did. Absolute perfection. No. So we always have to depend on His grace. Amen. And seek his strength and ask for forgiveness. And make sure you go to bed knowing that you're you're not guilty of something that you need to get right. Either ask for forgiveness or fix it. You know, I read about a man who wrote a check, a big check, to the government that they weren't expecting. He says, hey, it was his back taxes. You know, he wrote a big check. He said, hey, I feel really guilty about the taxes I owe you guys. So I'm sending this Big check to pay for my back taxes. So, so, I'm gonna feel, so I'll feel better. He goes, and if I don't feel any better, I'll send the rest to you later. You know? That probably wasn't so bright, right? But 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2. By means of hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. Your conscience is a really, really good thing. Amen? And so I like like to liken it to the idiot light. How many of you are grateful that you have a red light that goes on when your oil is running low or your water is running low? How many of you use that to know, and that's when you fill things up? Don't raise your hand, okay? You don't want to wait that long, okay? But it wouldn't be very wise. Running low on water is bad. Running low on oil is a lot more dangerous. You can get away with running low on water a little bit. A little bit. Blow a head gasket or whatever. But if you... Run low on oil, man. You're going to burn your pistons up, right? That red light goes on. You could say, thank God for the red light, you know? What did I do? I can't believe I haven't got oil for a while or I got a leak or something. Or you could say, I hate that red light. It just bugs me. I'm on the way to work and I don't even want to think about it. And you look around and you find something. Oh, there's a hammer in my glove area. Bam! You break it out. (sighs) Yeah, I don't have to worry about that red light anymore. Yeah, but now you've got a burned up engine. And that's what happens when you Knock your conscience out when you sear it with a hot iron. You crash and burn. Your conscience is created by God. It's a wonderful thing to have, amen? We have all kinds of warning systems in our bodies. We have this thing called physical pain, amen? And, 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 and physical pain can oftentimes be our ally. Sometimes because, we're, because of our, the fall and, and we've fallen into an imperfect state, pain isn't always our ally. But pain is often an ally. It lets us know that something's going on. Anybody ever have pain and you're glad you had pain because it showed you that you had to deal with something? Jimmy, you I know, Jimmy, you just raised your hand. You had, you had your appendix out. Is that what you're thinking? Yeah. James said, or, or uh, Jim said, getting your appendix, or having your appendix explode, he says, a hundred times more painful than having a baby. No, he didn't say that, gals. He did not say that. Jim's <laughs> James, James like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> no, but he told me how painful, it was the most painful thing he ever went through. But you know, if that pain wasn't, but Jimmy, would you rather have the pain and have dealt with it or just, you wouldn't be here now, you know? He's, praise God, we've got Jimmy here because pain's a good thing. Because of our consciences, many of us are here today because we're like, you know what? I want to get the Word of God because of the Holy Spirit, because of our love for Jesus, because you're in the body of Christ, a lot of things. Hypocrisy is very, very serious. In fact, Jesus had a lot to say about hypocrisy, okay? Uh, Remember in Matthew 7 where he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, for many will come to me. Saying, Lord, I prophesied in your name and I cast out demons in your name. I did many wonderful miracles in your name. But Jesus said, then I'll turn to them and say, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of lawlessness. So there's many that are claiming to be Christians. And a few verses before that, he says, there will be many false prophets. He said, those false prophets, outwardly, will be, have, you know, they'll look, be like sheep. They'll have sheep's clothing on. But inwardly, they're ravenous wolves. And that's important to understand because outwardly they have sheep's clothing that look like they represent Christ, but inwardly they have their ravenous wolves. So you have to look at your heart and say, is my heart for Jesus? Do I want to follow Jesus? Or do I pray, P-R-A-Y, or do I pray, P-R-E-Y? Am I a lamb of God where I pray and seek the Lord and his will in my life? Because those he says to depart are those who didn't do the will of the Father. Were workers of lawlessness. So do I pray and seek him? P-R-A-Y. Or do I pray? P-R-E-Y. Do I look at Christianity as something that I can get out? What can I get out of it? How can I exploit people? How can I use the church? How can I this, that, and the other? Brothers and sisters. It says right after that, Jesus says, you'll know them by their fruit. Amen. So... And if you're praying, Jesus said you'll bear fruit. John chapter 15 talks about that. In Matthew 15:7, Jesus said to the Jewish leaders, You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Wow. So you can't come and sing praises to Jesus and then go cuss people out. You know? The most embarrassing thing is when you're praising the Lord next to somebody and saying, God bless you, I love you. And then that's the person that cuts you off. You just didn't recognize them and you're cussing at them. And then you realize, oh, that's the person I just said praise the Lord to. No, that never happened to me, but I'm sure it's happened to somebody. Can you imagine? Uh, Luke chapter 20, verse 46. Beware of the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, Right? But he says they devour widows' homes, houses. And for a show, they make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Hypocrites are going to be punished most severely. Make sure that your faith is real. Amen? Lengthy robes. And you know why we don't dress up here and like the pastor has this long robe on and clerical collar and I'm not condemning everybody that has, does that if their theology is right? I just, it's, to me, it's like, where does not say that in the scripture, right? Doesn't say that in scripture, you know? So, because God looks at the heart, so we don't emphasize how you dress. Of course, you want to dress modestly, you know, you don't want to try to dress seductively, stuff like that, you know? But we need to make sure our hearts are right with the Lord. Luke 6, 46, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Brothers and sisters, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I say, Jesus says. Now that's a lot like when he says many will say Lord, Lord, and i will say I never knew you. Totally separate place. Different time period. Jesus is saying that because he knows how it's going to get. Because remember, it says in the last days terrible times will come. But you know verse 5 of 2 Timothy chapter 3 when it says, know this, the last days difficult times will come. In verse 5, that's verse 1, verse 5 says, men will have a form of godliness but deny the power thereof. We have to make sure we just don't have a form of godliness. That we just don't go to church to say, hey, we're Christians. But we're like, hey, I really want to serve Jesus. I really want to live for the one who gave himself for me. And you know what that looks like? You know what that looks like in your life? It looks like this. Jesus died for you. You recognize what he did for you. You recognize you can't even believe it. You're like, man, wretched man that I am. I can't believe he did this for me. Now I want to serve him. Now I want to love him. Now I want to glorify him. Now I want to be in his family. And guess what happens when you get in his family? You want to know other believers. You want to hang out with other Christians. Because guess what? You now have the same master. You now have the same book. Amen. You have the same word of God. Amen. You have the same Holy Spirit. You have the same baptism. Amen. You have the same eternal destiny in Christ Jesus. Amen. And we have so many beautiful things in common. So you want to be around other believers. You want to have fellowship with sincere believers that love Jesus. Amen. And guess what? You start to have a heart to serve. Because we love him because he first loved us. And love is not this passive thing. The Bible says faith works through love. And that love is giving. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And if we love him, obey my commandments, he says. So we're going to want to love each other. We're going to want to minister to one another. When we're around a brother or sister and we see that they're struggling, we're going to want to help them in some way. We're going to want to pray for them. We're going to give them of our time and our talent, and our treasure. And that means we, we, we pour our lives out to minister to each other. And that could come in a lot of ways. You might, you, and that comes with having a good conscience too. That means you want to do, you know, you want to have acts of kindness to people. You see a brother or sister that's down and depressed lately, you pray for them. You see they're still in that funk, you go to them. You say, hey brother, hey sister, how you doing? Hey, uh, You want to hang out, you know? Want to go out for some coffee, you know? Want to pray together? Hey, how can we pray right now? And you just extending love in ways that you might not think are very significant are very significant to the people that you're helping. I've heard too many stories, you know? And this is my life because I'm a pastor, but guess what? Ask my wife, you know? what I was like before I was a pastor, you know? It was just the way I lived because I'm a Christian man. I love Jesus. And she's like, what are you, you know, she wasn't like, what are you doing? But she's like, even when I was a Christian, I didn't have a lot of money in my bank account. But if people didn't have something to eat and I was eating with them and we're at Denny's back then, we went to Denny's. That seems like a, a sacrifice right there. But it's not really. We're thankful for the food, right? But you know, I was always. But that's the nature God's given us as believers to be giving, Amen, and loving. And I didn't think, okay, I only have this much money left in my bank account, you know. And you can't always do that. You can't always do that because you've got to also make sure you you, you <laughs> take care of your wife and kids when you you know you get married, right? But God wants us all to have giving hearts. We all have time to give to one degree or another, right? We all have talents to give to the Lord, gifts, Amen. And not, we're not to bury our talents, and that's a, not speaking of, you can relate it to our, our spiritual talents, but uh, it has to do with God investing in his people and that, us not burying those investments, but using them to his glory, amen? We need to live for Jesus, amen? It's important that we live for him. So Titus 1.16 says, speaks of those who claim to know God, there's hypocrites again, they profess to know him, but by their works they deny him it is again, it's all over. These warnings are throughout the New Testament. And the reason the scriptures replete with these types of warnings is because they happened to the Jews that rejected Jesus. And there's going to be those with the former godliness in the last days where there's not a heart relationship with Jesus and people are just going through their own thing. They don't care about truth. They don't care about staying close to Jesus, being true and loyal to him. And that's serious, folks. That's serious. we got to make sure we don't fall into that. In 1 John 4, 20, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. Wow. So we need to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? If you're struggling because you've had your feelings hurt or somebody hurt you or said something about you, pray for them, man. That's the best way to get over it. Because they need prayer. If somebody's mocking you and they're, and they're hateful toward you and stuff, they need prayer. Because if, if they have hatred toward you and they're mean-spirited toward you, they're going to hell. So you should be praying for them. And your heart's at least right, amen? And by your, your heart will start to soften. You'll start to feel sorry for them. You'll know, hey, I'm following Jesus, man. I just pray for that brother or that sister. Amen? Because they're, they're in trouble. That's serious stuff. So these passages, I mean, you know, Peter says in 1 Peter 2 16, live as free people, live, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. So we're free in Christ, but not to go live in rebellion to God. And don't say, oh, I'm free, and then use God's, the freedom that God's given us, the grace and the love that he's given us, to say, we can do whatever we want. That's a lie from the pit of hell. What do we do? How do we make sure we're not hypocrites? The scripture says, Amen, sister. Get in the word and obey the word. The Bible says in, in, what is it? Uh, James chapter 1, verse 22 be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So obey Jesus, man. Trust and obey. Trust and obey. Can you say that with me? Trust and obey. We're saved by grace through faith, right? By grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. But we have to have faith. We trust him for our salvation. Trust him and obey him. Because you don't want to be among those who he says, I never knew you. So you trust him and you obey him. But I, I, I'm seeking to do that, but I, I fall so far short. Welcome to the club. We all fall so far short. We all On our best day, like I said, we all always have to rely on the grace of God. Amen? Every day we need to say, Lord, have mercy on me, but give me strength. Amen? Keep walking with him. You won't do this perfectly or that perfectly. The righteous man stumbles seven times a day, but the Lord picks him up. Continue to go forward in Jesus. Amen? And don't use his grace as a license. Verse 3. 1 Timothy 4, verse 3. These men who are hypocrites, who have seared their consciences with a hot iron, and they're deceiving the church, and they're being used by demons and seducing spirits, it gets into two of their doctrines. Men who forbid marriage, they forbid marriage, and they advocate abstaining from foods, which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. So they forbid marriage. A lot of people say, see, this verse is about the Roman Catholic Church. Well, the Roman Catholic Church didn't exist at this time. But guess what? The doctrine of demons, forbidding marriage, that end up in their church, so-called church, later in history, where priests are forbidden to be marriage, be married. In the Bible, are priests forbidden to be married? <laughs> I hope not, right? Because every one of us who's married is a priest, and we're married. Because the Bible has male men and female. In the Catholic Church, you can't be a woman and be a priest, and you can't be married and be a priest. But in the Bible, you can be a man or a woman and be a priest because we're a a royal priesthood. Every man and woman here is a priest of God. Every woman here has the same access to God that every man has. Every woman here is creating the image of God the same way every man was. Amen? Every man and every woman was shed was paid for by the same blood of Jesus. Amen? Women are not second-class citizens of the body of Christ. Men and women have different roles. We call that complementarianism. We complement each other. One's masculine, one's feminine. Chromosomally, one's XX and one's XY. Praise God for that. That way we can reproduce and have children. And praise God because it would be really a bummer if it was all just men because our existence would last one generation, or all women, would it all exists one generation. It would be over. God's pretty smart, Amen. So praise God. But you know what? Uh, the Catholics, part of the Catholic vow of celibacy for the priests stated, quote, you will no longer be lawful to turn back from your purpose, speaking of celibacy. You will be required to continue in the service of God and with his assistance to observe chastity. Chastity, And you will be bound forever in the ministrations of the altar to serve who is to reign so it was like, man, you, it's a vow. You cannot break it. There are hundreds, thousands. I think there's, a, there's one book out by 50 ex-priests. You know, I just saw recently. 50 ex-priests. There's thousands of people that left the priesthood recognizing that was a false doctrine. They could be, get married, and they also could throw off the shackles of all these religious things that are not in the Bible. Uh, but also, they forbid marriage. But they not only forbid marriage, they also Forbid what? What does he say? Men, they forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. So also they forbid eating certain foods. Now you guys, if you want to be a vegetarian, praise the Lord. Don't make everybody else, don't think everybody else has to be a vegetarian though. You know? You know how you could tell someone's a vegetarian? Just let them speak for a minute and they'll tell you. Okay. (laughs) Uh, You never heard that one, Jim? That's pretty funny. Uh, Don't let anybody tell you you have to be carnivore. Okay, no one's doing that. Well, maybe a few people on on YouTube are. (laughs) But you guys, it's okay to be a vegetarian. Praise God. If you feel led to be a vegetarian, praise God. If you feel led to be carnivore, carnivore plus. If you feel led... Just, just pizza, you know, you know, that's between you and God, you know, Jesus says, not what goes into the mouth that defiles man, that which comes what? Out of the heart, amen, although physical food can be very, very destructive to you if you eat the wrong food, wrong foods too often, right, so we have to be really, really careful, I wish I would learn that younger in my life, you know, but praise God, I've been trying for years, you know, I've been like doing intermittent fasting for like five or six years straight, and uh, I love it. Just don't eat in the morning, right? It's two meals a day. But you know what? As you get older, it's harder and harder. Amen? So it's wise to try to eat well, but this, he's warning about a religious doctrine where you cannot eat certain foods because of religious doctrine. I remember as a Roman Catholic, I remember the priests were not only forbidden to be married, but when I was a little kid, and we didn't last long in the Catholic Church. I think I was there to like fourth grade or something. You know, fifth grade, I don't remember how long. But also, you know, we couldn't eat meat on Friday. We had to eat fish. I thought, Mom, Dad, isn't that still meat? Just eat your food. No, they weren't like that. (laughs) They weren't like that. But you know what, I thought, this is kind of weird. And then when I get, became a Christian, and they were calling the priest father and all that, and I'm like reading Jesus, and we're praying these prayers over and over again as little kids. I'm like, Jesus says, don't call any man father. Whoa, and don't pray repetitiously like the pagans are. And I'm reading, Paul, don't, don't forbid marriage and, and, and abstinence from food, watch out for all that. I'm like, wow, man, I wish I should have read my Bible. I should told my parents, you guys read the Bible? You know, <laughs> when I was a little kid, you know? So it's just interesting when you look at Scripture, it's very, very clear on so many things would be cleared up for religious folks, Amen. So we have pure and undefiled religion, which is the true gospel. Jesus said, those who worship the Father must worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen? Amen. So we worship him in spirit. Amen? He is spirit. Now he said that first. God is spirit. Those who worship must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we want, that's why we're very careful as to how we worship the Lord and what songs we sing and everything else. Because so we want to please God. Because we love him. We want to please him. Amen? By the way, remember, and I'm not going to retrace all the scriptures I went through with you to show you that Paul was combating an incipient form of Gnosticism, proto-Gnosticism. Just go back two or three studies if you haven't heard that message, you're listening by the way of internet, podcasts, or what have you. Or I should say uh, on, the, on, on YouTube or what have you, or you're listening by live stream. It was like three messages back or so where I show you, man, The Gnostic spirit of Antichrist was already there, challenging. And Paul's refuting that through 1 and 2 Timothy. It's really a fascinating study. But what's interesting is the Gnostics were teaching, okay? We don't know how early they were teaching this, but they were the greatest opponent to the early church. And remember, the Gnostics believed. They said, Yahweh, the creator, is the devil. He's evil, the one who created humanity. He's evil, In his rules, we can break them. Do what thou wilt, basically, right? But Satan was really Sophia, and she was setting Adam and Eve free from the bodies of slavery because the physical world is evil. So guess what a lot of the Gnostics started teaching? Marriage. Don't get married. Don't bring children into the world. Don't don't do that because that's what Yahweh wants. He wants to imprison more bodies in these fleshly bodies. That's why the Gnostics taught that the material world was evil. The physical world. Because it was created by Yahweh. And they would say, don't eat meat either. Don't eat flesh. Because it's created by Yahweh. It's dirty, it's filthy. I don't know how vegetables and stuff are less dirty and filthy. <laughs> They're created by the same God. It doesn't make sense, right? And it's interesting because you had, keep in mind now, with the Gnostics, you had, you can get confused on this, and it's not that hard to understand. You had two different types in relative to how they looked at interacting with the physical world. You had the legalists, don't get married, don't eat meat, and then you had the libertines. Since Yahweh created everything, there's no rules, we could have sex with whoever we want. And Irenaeus would say they'd take women from other men without even blushing, he says, and have sex with them, the Gnostics, because anything goes, break Yahweh's rules. Others were like, well, don't even touch Yahweh's stuff. In fact, Marcion, and you've heard his name maybe before, he was one of the leading Gnostics of of the second century. And Marcion, he rejected the Old Testament because it was inspired by Yahweh. I mean, how do you read the New Testament, though? When it quotes the Old Testament, Jesus the fulfillment of the prophecies about, and he's actually Yahweh in the flesh. I mean, that doesn't make any sense, right? So guess what he did? Marcion's Bible was butchered. The church fathers talk about how he had a butchered Bible. He rejected a lot of Paul's writings, the Gospels. He kept certain parts like Luke and some of Paul's writings and so forth. But look at what Irenaeus said about Marcion. By the way, Marcion believed that Jesus was just, that, that he was a divine spirit. Christ was a divine spirit, but he just had the appearance of a man, but he never, didn't literally become man because that would be evil. That's why the scriptures say in 1 John, he that denies the Father and the Son is Antichrist, and he that denies that Jesus is the Christ is Antichrist. He was denying that Jesus is the Christ, the actual, that he came in the flesh, I should say. He would say he's the Messiah, but he would say he didn't come in the flesh, literally. Well, listen to what Irenaeus, the top church father, refuting Gnosticism, said about Marcion's teachings. Marcion, those who are called cretates, self-controlled, preach against marriage, thus setting aside the original creation of God and indirectly blaming him who made the male and female for the propagation of the human race. So the early church fathers were coming against these teachings, which must have already been in the church when Paul wrote this in, in proto-form, in early form. So that's when you're reading these texts, you want to be able to understand what you're reading. You want to understand what was the background of these things and so forth. Now, we don't have a text that was contemporaneous with Paul's writing to in First Timothy, so we don't know exactly what form of Gnosticism he was dealing with. Some think it was, some of, according to Josephus, some of the Jews were putting very stiff regulations on food, as well as forbidding marriage as well. And since Paul talks about those who misuse the law, uh, some, some scholars believe he could have these, some of these, th- these Jewish groups in mind. When you look at Colossians, you'll see a similar teaching in Colossians chapter 2, which shows you a form of Judaism mixed with a, some kind of form of paganism or Gnosticism. So we don't know exactly, but what we do know is these scriptures are there for a reason and they're to keep us free from legalism. I mean, somebody might come and say, hey, I love you, man, but guess what? Look, it says right here in the Old Testament, man, we're not supposed to eat pork. Oh, and look, man, I saw you eating scallops at the sushi bar the other day. That's shellfish, man. You can only eat fish with fins, you know? Oh, you know what? And then guess what? On your break at work, I saw that you got a cheeseburger that had bacon on it from Carl's Jr. Man, you need to get right with Jesus. And there's Christians that will say that, that kind of thing, professing Christians that will try to put you under those trips. Well, what about those Old Testament verses? Or the atheists will say, "Hey, you're against homosexuality because it says in Leviticus 18, a man shall lay with another man as he lays with a woman." But hey, it also says not to eat pork in those same verses. Are, you know what are you doing? You're not consistent. Most atheists, by the way, have already been refuted on that, and they know the difference because they're usually guys that keep saying the same thing over and over again. And they've already seen the answers, but they're trying to pick on Christians that don't know better. We have the old covenant and we have the what? The new covenant. I'm trying to help you. So when you're witnessing, you're sharing with people, somebody's condemning you legalistically, you know. We're not under the old covenant law. Amen. We're under the law of who? Not under the law of Moses. We're under the law of Christ. Amen. And when you read the New Testament, the law of Christ, it still forbids homosexuality and sexual sin. Amen. But in, John, in Mark chapter 7, when Jesus' disciples were being condemned because of what they were eating, you know what Mark says, Mark says, by telling them it's not what goes into the body that defiles the man, but what comes out of the heart. Jesus, he says, was making all foods clean. Remember Peter? Kosher. I've never eaten anything unclean. The Lord puts a sheet in front of him with all kinds of crawdads and bacon and pork and all this kind of stuff. This says all kinds of unclean food that would be considered unclean. He says, kill and eat, Peter. Peter wouldn't kill and eat. No. Kill and eat. Three times he had to say. Peter says, I haven't eaten anything uncoached since I was a kid. He says, You don't call unclean what I've called clean. Amen. And that was a picture of how the Gentiles could be saved. But he was rescinding the food laws. Amen. Don't call clean what i kill and eat. I like that. Because Lenny, man, he used to be our sound guy, you know. He's in set near San Diego now. He's like, he'd always, I don't know, I don't know where you can get raw fish in the Bible. It says Jesus cooked the broiled the fish on the seashore, Joe. I say, well, he told Peter kill and eat. He didn't say kill, cook and eat, bro. (laughs) Hey, checkmate. Anyway. So, uh, but anyway, guys, the cool thing is go ahead and read verse 4 now. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 4. I love this. For everything created by God is what? Good, and nothing is to be rejected if it is received with what? With gratitude. So we need to have thanks, man. Give thanks for your food, guys. Give thanks for your food. For it is sanctified or set apart by means of the word of God and what? Prayer. God in his word has declared all foods clean. We simply need to be thankful and prayerful when we receive food, amen? And then we can eat it with a good conscience, amen? So man, if you're like, man, praise God, I was like, where's this going, man? I've got like, a bacon casserole. Does have, do they make bacon casseroles? Um, is there bacon casseroles? Okay, praise God. Are they any good? Oh, praise the Lord. Okay. Uh, the Lord is good, amen. And I praise God that He sets us free. We're not, we're not libertines and we're not legalists. Praise God, amen. You can get married if the Lord leads you to. Uh, you can have, you know, you can eat you know, shellfish and so forth, you can eat pork. If you eat a lot of that kind of food, though, guess what? It can have an effect on your body, so you got to be eat moderation, amen? Eat a wise diet. Love you guys. It's good to see everybody here. Uh, praise God. I know we have a men's retreat, and uh started tomorrow morning, so it's a really good showing. A lot of people came, even though at the men's retreat the next day, that's the way. I'm glad it's the way it should be, uh, but love you guys, and we gave you, hopefully, a lot to, th- to think about, but also, could everybody please stand up?